0: Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast
1: where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoon.
0: Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, if this is the first time you're listening, first of all, thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoy the content and hope you enjoy the interview and and get to know a little bit more about some of your fellow business owners. Uh, As a kind of a just a notice for those listeners who listen on a regular basis, we're going to be making a, a small change to the programming. Um, sometime between now and the end of the year, we're gonna we're gonna change the focus and and give more advice rather than just uh, learning about business owners' stories. The stories have been great. We've been doing that for about three and a half uh, years, and they've been well appreciated. And there's certainly some advice that we take along the way, but we've decided to uh, focus on the advice that small business owners desperately need. And uh, today's guest is definitely gonna have some of that advice. And so I'm excited to have. Corey Horlock, creator of Key Hire Solutions, joining the program from Katy, Texas. Corey, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to kind of dig in and uh, and you know, obviously tell your story, but I know that uh, you've got some great advice for some of the small business owners that are out there listening and, and some things that they can learn from your background, which... I think is great. Um, before we kind of jump in, I, I want to read your bio. I don't typically do this, but I, th- I think the way that you wrote this kind of just really speaks to who you are as a person, but it also speaks to why you created what you've created here uh, at Key Hire. So I'm going to just jump in here. It says, after many years in the hospitality industry, I decided to switch paths and joined a large recruiting agency working with businesses of all size. I enjoyed my all sizes. I enjoyed my work and felt fortunate to work with such a wide variety of clients, however. I never felt totally at peace in agency recruiting. The fees were too high, the value of the service was too low, and the large cost essentially excluded smaller businesses. It was in the never-ending cycle of trying to find companies that could afford our service or were desperate enough to pay the high price tag. As an entrepreneur, I knew there had to be a better way. My goal was to create a business that would benefit the people that could use my help the most, small business owners. The result is an affordable, comprehensive service that takes talent acquisition and planning off of business owners' plates and enables them to focus on the day-to-day operations and growth of their business. As a small business owner myself, I know time and commitment it takes to be successful, and I'm proud to offer a service that improves the lives of business owners nationwide. So Corey, I think that kind of spells it out um, and I'll we'll dig in a little bit more. But before, if, if you'd like us to know anything more about you personally, we'd love to hear it. You know, if you're married, where'd you grow up? Do you have any kids? Any of those sorts of things?
1: Yeah, sure. I can give you the, the
0: 30,000 foot overview. We're Canadians.
1: Um, I'm originally from Toronto. My wife's from Montreal. She's a native French speaker. We were living in Calgary, Alberta, like every other Canadian who is here in uh, the Houston area. And uh, we moved down here because of her job. She used to be in oil and gas. I had a, an agency going up in Canada. I just closed the doors when I when I left there. I came here. Uh, we brought two small kids along with us at that time. Um, my son turned one here, so my daughter would have been six, and now they're you know, 15 and ten. I joined a little operation called Vistage when I got here. I had no idea what Vistage was. Um I got almost hoodwinked into joining it and I kept telling my wife I have no idea what why these people keep talking to me or what they're trying to do but it sounds cool so I went to a few meetings and ended up being a founding member of a group I think I was in that group for you know three years four years and that group essentially helped me build key hire when we arrived here my wife was able to work because she got her work permit you know at point of entry I had to wait for my work permit so I was a stay-at-home dad for three or four months And I joined this Vistage group and I wasn't even in business, you know, and I went to work for an agency that was here. um, And I did that for two years while I developed Key Hire. And then I launched Key Hire using really the power of Vistage. You know, I had this concept and went to my chair and said, do you have any business owners that would be open to trying it out and giving me feedback? So I took three business owners. I demoed my model on them for three months for free. All three of them said, yeah, we don't want what you're offering. Here's what you should be offering. So I changed my business model. And that was the birth of Key Hire.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. So the the power of Vistage, we've talked about that on the program over the years as well. I'm a founding member of my Vistage group, uh, quite honestly. And so it's been a little over four years uh, that I've been a member of, of this Vistage group here in Phoenix. And and the other members of my group are invaluable. The the advice that they give to me yeah. in uh, the things that we do with the podcast, with our our day to day you know practice, everything that uh, that we do. And so, uh, I can't speak highly enough of of what Vistage does for business owners. And and I think that that you were really able to take advantage of that that power because you had them from the get go your yeah. target audience, and they're telling you exactly what they wanted and needed from your organization.
1: Yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. I mean, even the the uh people in my TA group, they would they would reach out and say, you know, how are you gonna how are you gonna make money on this deal? And I'd say, I don't know. And they'd say, okay, let's go for lunch, let's talk about it. So I had a B2B CFO help me do my how I bill. Um I had an EOS implementer talk about how to deliver it. It just all these wonderful people kept kind of taking me under their wing and asking me questions about well it it sounds like a neat concept but how are you going to work how is this or these different how are these different aspects of it how are you going to deliver it how is it going to work and at that time i just had an idea so by spending time with them and leveraging their expertise i was able to able to develop this really cool unique model that
0: seems to work really well yeah so what's the time frame how, how long have you guys been in business now then seven years. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you've already kind of beat the odds, so to speak, in terms <laughs> of statistics, <laughs> not that it can't still go horribly wrong, right? Cause there's, there's still that risk, but uh, getting past that first five years is a huge accomplishment for any business owner.
1: I think so. And uh, I think finally the model is 95% what it's going to be moving forward. It was ever changing for most of those seven years. What bigger swings in the beginning, obviously. And then as you move, right, you start getting narrow and narrow and narrow. And I think I've found that sweet spot in what we do, how we deliver, who we wanna work with, how we can help them. So it's it, it gets more fun
0: as the model gets better. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, I, I before I get too far away, I have to I have to ask: Do you speak French as well? Uh, my wife will tell you I speak uh three-year-old
1: French. <laughs>
0: okay, are so, are you
1: guys raising your kids bilingual? My daughter is is kind of there. Uh, I know enough French to know when they're talking about me behind my back and trying not to know they're. Trying to keep it secret, I can figure out when they're talking to me. But I mean, my wife's family—they're French first, so when we spend time with them, it's French and it's sink or swim, right? So you kind of—and they're very patient. It's—we uh, never want to be embarrassed, and I've—I've kicked that door in. I don't care, so I'll—I'll I'll try to speak as much French with with them as I can. It Makes them happy when you just try, instead of forcing them, because they're—they can—they can all speak French and English. Yeah. So when we're with them, we we try to do as much. My wife's and daughter are French, and then my son is. He doesn't have a lick of French in him, and I'm kind of somewhere between my son and my daughter.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it's inter- interesting to me because I have a bachelor's degree in French. Actually, I lived in Belgium and France for two years. I I speak it. I I say that I speak it fluently, but I'm starting to realize that now I'm you know 25 years removed from living there and. And it's not as good as I wish that it was. Yeah. Um, but oddly enough, this past weekend, we we spent one day at Bryce Canyon and we happened to stop in, in Southern Utah and we happened to stop in this uh, little restaurant. It was like a buffet restaurant. And we sit down and no lie, every single person around us is speaking French. And I was like, I have not experienced this in so long. You know, we were in Paris a, a couple of summers ago. But in America, sitting down in a restaurant, everybody around. So there was a big tour bus and it was just they were they were all French speakers and uh, just sitting there around us speaking French the entire time, which was hilarious. So
1: when my wife and I were dating or engaged and we would go visit her parents in in Quebec and Montreal and we would go on these road trips and her dad would always whenever we needed something, he would make me go in and ask. So all the French speakers would sit in the car and they send the Anglophone in there to, you know get directions or ask for something or, you know, uh, so it was, that was kind of fun, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, let's jump into kind of the meat of, uh, of why we're here and, and what it is that you guys do at key hire. So just kind of give me the 30 foot view of what you guys mm. do. And then we'll kind of jump into some of the things that, uh, that you've seen over the years.
1: Yeah. So, so we fit in between a business. So, our target people, the businesses we work with primarily are five million to twenty-five million dollars in revenue. So they're privately held, usually uh, um, single owner, maybe looking to hand it off generational, second generation owner, and they they're usually banging up against something, and we fit in between the owner or or the people in the business trying to do their own hiring and hiring someone on your staff to be your recruiter or take care of your talent and do your talent strategy, your org design, all of that. So we fit in in between there in terms of working fractionally, we become your fractional talent department. And we'll, we'll work, part of what we will always wanna do is build a strategic plan and vision for the business owner, because a large, one of the biggest mistakes business owners will make is they'll hire for their current needs. And so they'll bring someone in, invest in them. And then six months from now, they're out of their depth, right? The business outgrows grows their experience and their ability. So we want to put it together a strategic view, a strategic vision for them. We, and we have a holistic approach to it. We can see the business. We can see the leadership. We can see the operation. We can see the market. And so we kind of just sit in there and help them um, build a team that can get them where they want to go. You know, understanding what their goals are what they want to do, is it an exit? Is it double their business? Is it $10 million more in revenue in X amount of time? It can be whatever it is. So we want to understand what those goals are. We want to understand the business almost as well as the business owner does. And then we that is our launch pad to go in and help them kind of understand what they need in terms of talent, and then go out and acquire that talent as well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think anybody who's listening to this might, you know, think they know what a recruiter does. Right. Right. And what you just explained is not what a recruiter does. I mean, a recruiter typically posts a a posting, goes through, figures out, you know, narrows it down to a certain number of candidates and then presents those candidates to the company. And hopefully that, yeah, hopefully one of them gets hired and then the recruiter gets paid and it's typically a percentage of that first year salary. A- am I correct in that?
1: Yeah. And that's not at all what we do. We don't yeah. get paid the place. I hate that model. Um, I hate the word recruiter. Uh, and as you know, you know, we don't compete with those agencies because um agencies are really expensive. And the reality is the feedback we've gotten from the majority of our clients that have paid the the huge percentages. Two agencies are, we didn't get what we paid for. It was underwhelming. They didn't understand our business. So we only work with small business and we've created a pricing model that is fair and equitable for both sides. Um, you know, we work on, on a retainer. It's a set retainer, no surprises. So we just fit in like a fixed cost on their PL every month and they know exactly what it looks like. And we guarantee the results in the delivery.
0: Yeah. And so from your side, how do you price that based on what they've, so in a discovery process, you go through with them and you kind of figure out what it is that they're trying to accomplish. And based on that, you know what it's going to take to fill that role, which then obviously fill those roles, right? To achieve those goals. And then you spend, or you look at it and say, in order for us to help them accomplish that, it's going to take us this much in terms of man hours. And so our price is X. Is that- fair?
1: Yeah, no, I wish it was that complicated. It's not. Uh, I take a lot of pride in saying all of our clients pay the exact same regardless of the position we're going after or the size of the business. So we have a three-month engagement, we have a six-month engagement, we have a 12-month engagement, and they are carved in stone. The cost is carved in stone, and there are guarantees attached to each of those contracts in terms of the deliverables.
0: Hmm. Okay, so flat fee, everybody pays the same regardless of what their needs are.
1: And we could. I will tell you. I have a client that uh, I'm on. We have a seventy five percent uh, re engagement rate with our clients. So I'm on the second agreement with um, a client that is does not no longer fits the definition of of the dollar ranges that we're working with. You know, there's the expression we're building an airplane while flying it. Well, these guys are building a rocket ship while they're flying it, and um, we put in in one contract with them over eight hundred thousand dollars of base salary. Hmm. If you want to break it down into agency, and these are uh two C level positions and two senior analyst roles. And they if you want to break it down into agency terms, they paid five percent recruiting fees for C level, uh, C level roles in their company.
0: Yeah. And and that's, you know that's at least a fifth of what you would typically pay right you could be paying well, co- considerably so
1: do the math i mean if for let's this isn't what they paid their their, their one of the c-level people but let's say it was a two hundred thousand dollar roll um they would have paid 60 grand for that yeah they paid me f- well let's say less than that for all four roles.
0: yeah Gotcha. But
1: that's the model, right? Because I I I can I have, I have security built into my model so I can offer it cheaper. Plus, we control the process from from beginning to end. So it's actually easier. You know, one of one of our key tenants is to save business owners' time. We do all the hard work. For every one hour our business owners put into the process, we're putting in 10, 12, 15 hours in the background, right? So On average, our owners put in anywhere from six to 10 total man hours per hire.
0: Which is way less than what they would typically spend. Correct, yep. Yep.
1: So we just take it all off their plate and because we're integrated in the business and we're fractional, we run it. Like we run the whole program. They just show up. Literally, we schedule it, we give them the agenda, here's how it's gonna go. They just show up and say, I like them. Let's hire them. We talk about the offer. We negotiate the offer for them. We get the signed offer, agree on the start date, and hand it back to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I I've never been a big fan of, of the recruiting model myself as a business owner or as a recruit, quite honestly. I mean, I, I've been on both sides and you know, it just it just shocked me when I was the one being recruited. And at the time, it was a it was a significant role. It was a significant base salary. And when I found out what the recruiter got paid, I'm thinking, well, if they hadn't paid them that much, they could have paid me this much more, right? I mean, it's just yeah. it's a crazy way of of putting it because those percentages are are high. I mean, like you said, we're talking somewhere between twenty and maybe even fifty percent on the high end of of the salary. Yep as a recruiting fee.
1: Yeah and and you know for me it's it's kind of score peg round hole when when my motivation i always say this if you ever walk into a recruiting agency and hear this you know i I will I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee right but you never hear this in a recruiting agency let's go out and make a difference in our clients lives today what you hear is bill 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 place, place, place. Now, when my motivation is to place people so I can get paid a huge fee and your motivation is to get the best person, I don't know if those two align very well. Yeah. So we remove all that. The first client I ever signed seven years ago, um, a guy named Kevin, and uh, I brought him someone who was out of like a little higher than the range we had agreed on. Right. He goes, well, of course you want me to hire him. You get paid more. And I said, Kevin, no, I don't. And he was like, oh, you're right. That's right. Neutralize the whole conversation, right? He hired him because he was just the best guy for the job. And and it didn't, my goal is to get him the best person, not make as much money as I can. So it didn't matter that he was a little over the range we had talked about. It, It affected nothing in terms of me or him. It was just are they worth that? And if they are, then let's put an offer together and get them on your team. Yeah. I would much rather work like that where you're, you're a partner with the owner and you're both working to improve their business and, and the people in the
0: business. Yeah. Okay. So seven years you've been doing this, you've watched who knows how many, you know, organizations, Grow from where they were when you started to where they are yeah. now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So what have you seen as the as the biggest challenges that small business owners faced? And you know, seven years ago was pre-pandemic. So there may yeah. be a pre-pandemic answer, there may be a post-pandemic answer, and there may be an answer during the pandemic. But what, what's the biggest challenges you you see in terms of small business ownership?
1: Uh, mindset so there there have always been seven drivers candidate drivers for why people will take a job there's only seven reasons why they will take a job title money uh incentive or bonus benefits 401k vacate pto and schedule those are the only things you can offer offer anyone right yep Um, People say culture, but that's just like a benefit of that. You can't negotiate culture. You can't say, well, we'll change the culture if you come and join, right? Those are the only things I can negotiate with you on. Those have changed dramatically. It used to be money, title, vacation, right? Uh, now, the number one question I get asked are, what are the benefits look like? What's the schedule? Is it hybrid? Is it in office? Is it remote? Um, and then it would be cash. And what people, I spend a lot of time talking about the correlation of what that is. So however you set up your office is fine. You can set up your office to be whatever you want it to be. But you also have to understand the repercussions of that. So for example, if, if you have a, um, a role that is a flexible role, meaning the people don't have to be in the office to accomplish that role. So if I'm working a machine on the floor, that's a non-flexible role. I can't work that machine from home. But if I'm doing accounting or marketing or sales or IT or whatever it is, I mean, name it. And you require people to come in the office. I have this conversation with my clients often and it's around, so it's, it's really pretty simple math. So if we're looking at people to come in the office, we're looking at a, a 10 mile diameter around your business. So how many people do you think there are in that 10 mile radius that can do the job you're looking for? So for arguments, that let's say there's a hundred and you want them to be in the office Monday to Friday. So that hundred just went down to 20 because only 20% of the population are willing to go into an office for a flexible role, right? So now what are the odds that the best person that can move your business forward is in that now um, 20% of 100, right? So we've chopped a lot of people out. What are the odds that the best people are still remaining in that 20? And then of those remaining people, how many actually want to come and work for you? How many are are unhappy enough in their current role or not getting what they need in their current role to come and work for you? So when you get down to it, that number could be like five people that you can even talk to, that would even entertain a conversation. And we don't know if they're the right people or not. And because you're requiring them to come in the office, they're gonna require a 20% premium to make the move, right? They're gonna say, so I'm at 80 now, I'll come and work in your office if you want, but I need $100,000 a year. They're not gonna do it for 85, they're not gonna move. So there's, it's that mindset of about understanding if it's a, if people are coming from a hybrid schedule to an in-office schedule, they're going to want a premium. If they're coming from in-office to in-office, they still might want a premium because they're probably looking for a hybrid role. But if 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 they're coming from an in-office or a hybrid to a full remote, they might even move over laterally. So there's premiums on these different types of schedules that people, um, business owners, kind of. Some of them get it and some of them don't, and that's a hard conversation. And if your benefit package isn't great, you can offer someone a $10,000 a year raise, but when they do the analysis on the benefits, they're actually costing them more than $10,000 on on your benefit plan. Well, who's going to take that job? Because the raise actually becomes a deficit. So how do you level them up? Well, it's a real simple answer. Cash. right? You give them a stipend to cover that, that benefit. So... There's a lot of different factors at play when you look at these kind of drivers behind why people are looking and what they're looking for. And if you can put the right plan together and you can work with a business owner to understand what those hurdles are moving forward and you can put a plan in place to overcome, now you, can, you can get almost anything done. You just have to be willing to understand what what people are going to challenge on and where they're going to challenge on and what you're willing to negotiate on and what you're not willing to negotiate on. We'll get there, but you just have to be open to understanding that the market has changed around a lot of the jobs out there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. There's, there's plenty of roles where being in office is not required. Um, You know, we, So our staff members, we've got one that likes to go into the office every single day. Um, Part of that is just being able to be focused a little bit better. She's got young children and, you know, those sorts of things. And so being able to to be in the office is beneficial to her. We find it beneficial to us. And then the other one is completely, you know, fully remote, only comes in for certain, you know, certain meetings um that we have and and typically that's a fly in for to our our other office that's in okay. that's in a completely other city and 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 other state right and you so, brought up a
1: good thing about flexibility too because you know i'm going through that right now with a candidate who's like my current job is i i can't leave 1 minute before 5 and when i get out i'm in full blown traffic and so if i could have some flexibility to start earlier and leave earlier that'd be great and my business owner's like yeah, i don't have a problem with that but that is a negotiating tool. That's a driver, right? That's that goes into that schedule category. And if you were rigid and said, well, no, we have the same hours. Well, what's the motivation for them to change at that point? You know, if if what they're looking for is that, man, if I could get an hour back a day, not sitting in my car and playing with my kids and having dinner with my family, how much does that work? And can you offer that to them and say, you know what, we we think you're going to be such a great employee? and have such an impact on our business that we're willing to work with you on that. And we're just gonna watch and trust that you get your job done, but we're not worried about it. And if if problems come up, we'll deal with them. But the world has changed in terms of what people are requiring from their work. And maybe the mistake we make is we assume everyone, everyone uh, wants the same thing. But it really is a negotiation with individuals and saying, "Hey, what are you looking for?" And if we can figure out what that is, and work with them, and work with the business owner, kind of meet in the middle and make everyone happy. You know, person A and person B might one might be single, one might have a family, one might want to be in the office, one might not be. In, and if they're applying for the same job, their their motivations and those drivers are going to be different. So let's figure out what those are. And if they're the right person for our business, we got to be able to find a way to make it work.
0: Yeah. So from a business owner standpoint, how do you get them over that hump? Right. And I'll give you a kind of a concrete example. So sure. sales, I think most business owners look at salespeople and say, if they hit their number, I don't care. Right. Oh. If they don't need to be in the office, I don't care. But that's a measurement that I can see. I know they're hitting their number and I'm fine paying them. But somebody who's in an administrative role or bookkeeping or, you know, doing any of these sorts of things. So I'll give you a kind of a a humorous, you know, version because the person who's helping us run this podcast right now works for me in an administrative role. Right. Yeah. And I happen to know that she loves to play video games. So. (laughs) How do I, as a business owner, how do you tell some other business owner that that sits there and has these visions of that administrative person playing video games until an alert comes in on their phone that says, I need this done, right? So that's the humorous example. But there are plenty of business owners that I've had conversations with who believe that if they're just going to be fully remote, I, I don't know that they're working at all. So how do you get them over that?
1: I talk a lot about end result management, if they get it done, if everything's getting done on time and the quality of work that you want is there, does it matter if they're playing video
0: games? It's fair. Yeah. I mean, as long as they're achieving what you want them to achieve, but I guess from a business owner, so being a business owner, I guess my response, my pushback to that would be, okay, so it's up to me to give the tasks all of the time. And then if those are completed, that's fine. But where does the proactive nature of the job come into play?
1: Yeah. And I, I get that too. Right. And that's, I mean, my answer, it, it was was pretty short, but yeah, I, they, they have their duties that they need to accomplish on a daily basis. Right. There are things that you don't need to um, delegate to them that they know need to be done. So that's what I say. Like if, if, if things are getting done and balls aren't being dropped and the quality of work is high and deadlines are being met and they're, you know, they're being an active, uh, actively participating and being a a valuable and good employee in your business. If they do the work at two in the morning, or they do it at seven in the morning, if the deadline is five, the next day, does it matter?
0: Yeah, no. And I, I agree with that. I just, I've just heard it over and over, you know, this whole shift with the pandemic, a a lot of business owners, you know, way better than I do. But a lot of business owners are really, really struggling with this shift and, and feel like they feel like their employees are using it as an excuse to work less and to do to do less for the organization.
1: In that that that's happening. I'm I'm not saying it's not, right? So in that case, if balls are being dropped and deadlines are not being met, then then it's a performance issue. Whether they were in office or they're remote, that's still a performance issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, it, there's definitely not a perfect response yet. But I, I I do believe that this is this is a long-term shift. We're not going back to where we were before.
1: Agreed. I think we'll we'll find somewhere in the middle. Um, but Some roles, especially marketing and things like that, like those are just going to be these are artsy people and they want to work in their laptop in the back of their van by the beach between catching waves and hanging out and doing all that stuff. And, uh, you know, that's that's why they got into, you know, that's why people are choosing these professions so they can work remotely and. Just to kind of add on to the thought about if you want someone in your office. You know, and you're, you're really targeting 20% of those 100 people. Now, if you move to a hybrid schedule, now you can expand that radius. And let's say we're up to 200 people, but of those 200 people, 60% of those. So we just went from 20 people to 120 people we can draw from right on that hybrid schedule. Because 40% of the for these flexible roles, 40% of the population want to work remote. So Even if you just went to a hybrid schedule, people will drive a little further if they only have to do it a few days a week. But now we've gone from 20 out of 100 to 120 out of 200. More people to draw from, more people to speak to, better um, probability of getting a higher caliber person, right? Then if you go, full remote, but say, well, I want them, you know, I'll use Houston cause I'm in Houston. I, want, I don't care if they're remote, as long as they're in Houston. So if we need to get them in for a meeting once a month or twice a month and we need to brainstorm with them face-to-face and they're willing to do that. Well, now we've opened that up to, you know 100% of a hundred percent of thousands of people. And now we just have a bigger pool to draw from an interview from and a greater probability of getting a difference maker and someone um, who's the best person for the job. So it was kind of the way it breaks down and the way I really do think about it. Now, if you don't, if you don't want people to work remote, that's okay. Just understand we have a real, we have a way tighter target to deal with in terms of, and we got to get it right. We got to make sure we always have to make sure we get it right. But when it comes into, you know, making sure people are in office, we can't mess around because we can't afford to screw up and have someone Say, uh, I'm not, you know, you guys blew it. I'm not interested, right? It's really important that you just keep them in motion and keep those conversations going and keep it a super positive attitude um, experience for them. Because you don't want them, you finally, you know, sink a hook into one of them and then you blow it because you put them through a bad process or you give them the wrong impression or you don't get back to them for three days and they think that, oh, well, they must have hired someone else. And once they kind of get there, you can't bring them back off very often. So you've got to keep them engaged.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the key point from a business owner's standpoint is the point that you made about enlarging the pool of quality candidates, right? Because it, it if you're stuck with those few people who live within a radius of your office who are going to be willing to make that drive, you know that it's possible that you could get somebody better by being a little bit more flexible. And I think that that's probably from a business owner standpoint, that's where they probably finally get over it and realize, you know what, you're right. I I can get the better person by just being a little bit more flexible.
1: Yeah. I mean, we can look at history and we can do all kinds of things because of course they think, well, you know, they're going to, they're not going to do the work and they're going to, you know, take advantage of us. But if you find someone who's been working from home, the last three or four years and they have a history of success and advancement and are doing a great job and you can kind of glean that out through doing a really effective interview process, the odds of them turning into a horrible employee are really low, right? Good pe- People that are good employees, if they've been good employees at the last one, two, three companies they've worked at and they have this history of success and progression, the odds of them coming into your company and like doing a 180 and becoming a horrible employer are really low. Unless we really mess it up, like unless we as employers give them a reason to do that. Uh, but and we don't generally we don't. Right. So it's it's just looking at those histories like there are ways. Everything I do is about maximizing probabilities. You're never going to get it right. 100 You're never going to be 100 percent. We're dealing with human beings and shit happens. Right. Like we don't know what people are going through in their lives. We don't know what the business is going through. Um, if you don't go through the right process, maybe you didn't hire for the right, ex- you hired for the experience you thought you needed today, but six months from now, that's not the experience you needed. And now you're having a hard time fitting someone in or finding a place for them, right? So, or they 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 go through, life happens on their side and they're going through a rough patch. So they're not totally engaged in work and, and having to deal with it. So all we can ever do is maximize the probabilities of getting it right. Um, And by going through a really good uh, hiring process and a very structured and timely process and getting that right, sourcing the right people, then putting them through a great process and giving them a great experience. And we we have an over 90% success rate with the people we put into businesses. when someone calls me and says so-and-so didn't work out, my head explodes because I'm just not used to it, you know? because we we painstakingly we 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 have a process that just over time has evolved and it's it's proving and proven to be just super effective and if people want me to get away from my process i'm always like no 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 this works like i know this works and um if you we want to get this right like let's follow my process cuz this is what we do every day and we've refined this thing and boiled it down and and got it to the point where if we if, if we follow it, there's a good probability this is going to work out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's a great approach. So, you know, you talked earlier about and, and you mentioned it here just a second ago where, you know, an organization typically hires for what they need right then and they're yeah. not taking into account where are we going, right? So, you know, wh- why is it important for it? an organization to understand what their organization looks like, right? Their org chart, if you will, and then the strategy for going forward so that they can couple the two together.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a really cool question. And we've developed kind of the cycle of our, what we see in business owners, right? So if you go right to the end, it's, it's the the mom and pop shop and they're like so busy and um, they've run out of capacity, meaning the business has outgrown the ability of the leaders in the business, right? So this is like right on the left side of the chart. Um, When you start a business, you hire your neighbor, you hire their buddy, you hire your in-laws, and everyone takes a job, whether they're qualified or not, and away we go. And somehow you get successful and the business takes off and everyone is overwhelmed. So that's phase one for us. And we call that kind of a paralyzed business owner. They know it's not working. They have no idea why, right? If if you use a car analogy, the wheels have fallen off the machine. Like it's broke down and the only input they have is time. If we just all work harder and longer, that's the only way we're gonna gonna deliver, right? Quality is suffering, on-time delivery is suffering. They're at risk of losing clients. They can't take new clients because they can't support them, right? Everyone's doing everything. It's like a bit of a fire drill. So that would be phase one for us. And that that's the business owner that we kind of categorize as a paralyzed business owner. I know I have a problem. I have no idea what it is. Then the next phase is kind of that unsure business owner. So they've, they have leaders that are executing, but they have areas of their business where um, they're underperforming and it might, and it's, Oftentimes, a legacy employee who's been with them for like 20 years running a department, the business has surpassed their experience and capabilities, and they're just really struggling. And But no one understands why. Like, no one can point and say, we have a problem right here. So that's kind of that unsure business owner. Like, hey, most of my business is pretty good, but I got this, this department's really suffering. And like, this person's been with me forever, and I don't know what's going on with them. Right. So we call that kind of like um, the flat tire. You know, you, you don't you, you don't, all four tires haven't fallen off, but you got one wobbly tire on there. Right. So then the next progression is is the curious business owner where it's like. Um, business is going great, but I have a leader who's really struggling and I, I think I I think that there, there's a problem there. And I know I need to address it, but I really don't know how to address it. But I know where the problem is, right? It's not like I have a problem and everything should be great, but it's not. But they recognize, um, I'm curious, like, why isn't my sales team doing what they're supposed to? I, I think my sales manager might be overwhelmed or underqualified to get me where I want to go, right? And so these are guys that are just like, you know, they want to put it, they want to replace a tire on their car. Um, And then the next phase we get into is the growing business. So these guys now are getting super sophisticated, right? They're like, okay, this is, these are the guys that call me and say, Corey, my ops guy isn't cutting it. I need to upgrade him. And they're fully aware of what they're doing. Right. Um, But they might, uh, they might still not might understand what they need in the future, but they're more, they're in growth. They're understanding, right? The curious manager, is the guy with the org chart like why do I need to hire for more experience how is that going to change my organizational chart the reporting structure the span of control how we communicate all that stuff but the growing manager probably understands that a little more and they're like here's the problem we need to upgrade this and then that would be a conversation you know if it was ops we would be talking about does your current guy have lean management no he doesn't okay we should get a lean get someone with some lean training absolutely right so they're kind of now understanding and then the final phase is is so you know these guys are like um upgrading their wheels they're getting low profiles put on their car right like they're not just changing a tire but they're like hey we we need to keep getting better better wheels on our car so we can go faster go farther right and then the final phase that we've outlined is the strategic business owner and these guys are like we're growing we just need to we're growing we know what we need to fill in we just need you to start plugging holes for me so we can we can sustain that growth, right? And these guys are are, are like adding wheels and gears to their, their car, right? Like they're putting a new engine in their car, they're putting the best tires they have on it and they're just rocket ship to the moon. So those are the kind of the five phases we've identified. The paralyzed, that's like all hell is breaking loose. I don't know what to do. I just, all I know is I'm working a ton and it's not getting any better. Then we have the unsure business owner it's like man i have a problem here but i don't know what's going on then we have the curious and that's like that's a problem i don't i think i need to upgrade but let's talk through it then we have the growing right like okay i i i'm very clear on where my problems are and what we need to do to fix them then we have the strategic it's like just start plugging holes for me so we can keep moving so that's kind of where we are right so whatever phase of of that growth they're in, um, they are more open to, you know, the, the, the business owner who's paralyzed is not generally open to an, an org chart conversation, right? They're just like, just, and, and they generally have this belief, if I could just hire one person, my life will be better. And so that's a conversation we, that's where we start saying, well, let's look at this because if I do your org chart, you're sitting in six seats on this thing, right? So let's get you some support. Let's start filling these holes in for you. And then they start going, oh, okay. But then, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Business owner, how does your behavior have to change? If I get you a really talented leader in this department, you, you got to let them do what they do because they're going to, they, there's a possibility they might know how to do it better than you do. And not that you 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 don't know how to do it but you might be limited in experience on how to do it. So they might bring some new ideas to the table. They, well, that's why we're hiring them, right? We're hiring them to bring in process and procedure that will enable your company to grow. So you got to get out of their way and, and let them go, let them do what they let them flex their muscles. I don't know if I answered your question, but I think I might've.
0: Yeah, no, you, you definitely did. I, I You know, it, it's interesting, speaking of Vistage earlier, um, you know, I'll go to Vistage meetings from time to time, and and discussions like this, it may not be specifically around talent management, but growing an organization, right, which yeah. obviously almost always includes additional talent that's being being brought into the organization, but um, it it shocks me how often businesses do not have an org chart and you know i've i've made recommendations before in in vistage meetings to say get a whiteboard put together your org chart but then also put together your future org chart and use that as a way for you to visualize where you're going but also you may have some really talented people in your organization that need to know where you're going where the organization is going So that they can start to see where they fit into the future org chart. Yeah. I mean, the
1: other side of that is, you know, it helps you understand the progressions. Instead of just hiring to fill holes, part of what we do, we do that. We do your current org chart and then based on your goals, your future org chart, what it needs to look like to achieve that goal. And then we'll make recommendations in terms of sequencing. This is the first role we need to bring in. And then we'll do this one, and then we'll do this one, and then and here's why we're going to do that. And it's super important to understand you know, if I have an organization of 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, we're going to bring in four key leaders, that's 10% of the culture, right? That we're going to drop in there. And if we drop four people in there at the same time, that's going to have an impact on the business and probably not a positive impact. It's going to be too much, it's going to rattle the cage it's gonna make people question, people will get afraid, some people will be empowered, some people, you know, it, it it. there's a period of adjustment. So as you bring these people in and kind of let them settle and let people get used to it, you can't just start hammering in these, you know, high value leaders to change everything and every department all at the same time, you kind of have to ease people into it and, and communicate it to them and explain it to them that's a big part of what we do as well. You know, like, let's, let's talk about sequencing. You know, we don't, my personal philosophy is, you know, we don't want to hire a team and then bring in a leader and say, Hey, you're going to love it. We just hired it, your whole team for you. I, we think they're going to be great. And then that leader looks at them and goes, I probably wouldn't have hired any of these people. Right. So my, my advice to the business owners is always like, let's hire leaders and let them build their own team because they can hire, they can complement. Their strengths and weaknesses with these people, and they can look for their own specific things. But hiring a team for and then bringing in a leader and saying, "Hey, we're going to empower you to to make a difference." By the way, we just hired your whole team for you before you started. I don't know if that sends the right message all the time, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely a balance, and and what I'm hearing from you that I love as a business owner and anybody listening should should love as well is that it's not just about filling a hole. It's what is the overall strategy and how do we make these people that we definitely need fulfill that strategy? How do we bring them in to fulfill that overall strategy for the organization?
1: Yeah. Like 60 to 65% of the work we do is developing and then acquiring the talent to fill new roles in businesses. Yeah. Like i work in companies where every role we've put in there has been a has never existed in that company before and you go out and you get these like really capable people and then um after the owners understand and let go and trust they're, they're just like wow what a difference and they because they're so busy and and, and man I I never want to paint a business owner in a bad light because they they work their tails off and and they're they're Put, they're putting food on the table for a lot of families. And I take that seriously. And I know a lot, of, like when you talk to business owners, a lot of them are like, hey, I have a big responsibility here. I got to keep the lights on because a lot of people are depending on me. And I get it, I get it. But when yeah. you're in the trenches and you're doing battle 12, 14, 16 hours a day, um, it, you you miss stuff, right? And you don't have a chance to develop yourself. And there are just people out there who, are ready to have influence and impact on a small business, you know, that's really what I look for a lot is people that come from the big, what what I truly specialize is bringing big corporate talent into, into small family business, right? Because these, these big corporate talent people, and I say big corporate, but you know, larger companies, we always look for those people who are like, Man, I have so many ideas and every time I take them, run them up the chain here, they just kind of say, "Nah, we're not going to do that. And I I really think I can have impact. And they really are feeling like, I want to see if I'm as good as I think I am. And by by pairing them up with these business owners who are just craving these kind of people and turning them loose. It's a win-win because they're so fulfilled now because they're like into this they've learned and they've learned and they've been lifelong learners and students and now they're in a a situation where if they want to influence and affect the business and make a difference and make a change they just have to knock on one door and say hey i have an idea and a business these small business owners can go let's try it or I have a concern or we've tried it before and it didn't work. Right. But there's always a, at least now a conversation and it's an AB. It doesn't go up and get watered down and come down and your idea no longer looks like the idea that you presented. And um, so there, these people coming in are really fulfilled and excited and feel valued and validated, right? Because they're doing great work. And for a, For a business owner, you know, that whole act like it's your own business. I'm not a big fan of that, but I am a big fan of be responsible and do what you can do. And let's do this together and and make it better. And business owners, once they experience that, they understand it and they're like, man, these, this person is really good and they know a lot and I can learn from them and they can learn from me. And so let's, let's make this better together. That's, that is kind of the coolest part of doing what I do. When you when you start building these like true leadership teams and partnerships and you see like, um, you know, the paralyzed, unsure, curious, growing strategic, I look at a lot of my clients and I, I've i worked with some clients for seven years. You know, I have some that I've been with for five years. I have some I've been with for two years, but I look at this those categories and they all started with me in the paralyzed and unsure categories for the most part. You know, and now some of them are in the growing, some of them are in the strategic. And so by placing these people in there and working with them to identify and doing the diligence to get it right, you don't even notice, but you start just kind of moving through these categories in a really impactful and meaningful way. And everyone's life is better for it. You know, everyone is happier. Everyone is more fulfilled, like everyone in the business. Even the hourly people are more fulfilled because you have a leader in there leading their department who is passionate and um, excited to influence and wants to train them and wants them to be better and is bringing ideas to them that no one has ever brought to them before. And you just see this kind of, you know, the rising tide raises all boats kind of mentality in the business. And that's what's really cool about what I do is over the long haul, going back and seeing the progression um, and yeah. seeing all this play out and happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it's for me, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, we, we work with small business owners day in and day out. We are small business owners. We work with them day in and day out. Yeah. And the most rewarding part of what we do is seeing that light bulb go on and then realizing, Oh wait, I can, do it this way. Right. Cause yeah. it, it, the, the different stages that you, that you spelled out um, so many different businesses get stuck at each of those stages and then never progress beyond that stage. Cause they're not quite sure how to do it or right. they're not willing to take the, the next risk. Right. I already started the business. That was a big risk. Yeah. And now you're asking me to take another big risk to either my income or taking out a loan or, you know, all these sorts of things to kind of continue to grow. I've never
1: paid someone that much money before. Yep. Or I did one time and it blew up in my face and it was there. Those guys aren't worth it. Or, you know, the people with, like I've tried it and it, it's not worth it. It, it. There's so much stuff there. Take think sometimes a lot of unpacking to be done. Right. And just kind of building that trust.
0: Yep. Yep. For sure. So I, I think it's, I think it's ex- extremely impactful, so much so that I think actually I'll, I'll invite you to come back on another episode in the future because I think we could actually break down the different things that you're doing to where we can share concrete advice with business owners that they can learn from and realize, oh, you know what, that that is me. And that kind of gives me an idea of what I need to do, but, but I probably should reach out to Corey, right, to help me get to that next level. But regardless, people people who are listening that are business owners need these types of conversations to spark what they may or may not even know they need to change in their business.
1: I think that's, that's the overarching kind of um, feeling is, you know, these guys and, and women, men and women, they work hard and you're right. They, they took a leap of faith, right? They laid everything on the line to do this. And, Every decision, you know, sometimes they're they're cutting it close. Every decision is a make it or break it, or do, do we get to turn the lights on tomorrow or not? And I get it. It's it's a big deal. And that's why I'm so um unwavering on getting it right and not talking through <laughs> these things and not pressuring. Oh, no, I will never tell a business owner. I didn't, if they interview someone and say, well, I, I didn't think they were that strong. And I say, well, I, I think they are, you should hire them. Like that's, you're just setting that up for failure. Right? So let's have a, what didn't you like? Okay. Well, that's not the person, but let's walk through it. So the next time we do this, we're kind of tuned in to, to what's going on, but it, it is a big deal. And, but once you, like I said, we're, we try to get it right. We have a process and what we do we have a history of getting it right. And when people see it the first time, I had a, I had a client say to me just the other day, so we, we interviewed someone, I'm taking them into deep water in terms of the role we're filling is someone he's never, he has someone who does this role, but they don't do it at the level of the person we're bringing in, right? And that kind of experience and talent costs money. So I'm taking them into some deep water in terms of that package but what he said to me was well you're batting a thousand percent so far so i'll trust you and to me because he likes the person he's like i like them i think they would do an amazing job for me i don't doubt it for a second right but when someone says to you you haven't stirred me wrong yet so i'm going to trust you that to me is like okay now we're partners now we're working together on this now we are um we've gotten to a point where we can have great conversations. Um, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. Hopefully you're going to listen to what I have to say. and, And we can really, really do some super cool stuff with inside your business with, with people and talent and experience and growth and just awesome stuff. That's, that's when it's cool. That's when it's fun. When you get a business owner who gets excited about, Oh, I see what we're doing here. Um, the, and it, it's got to be great for them when they can go home and have a dinner with the family, and go to bed and not worry about oh I have so much work to do tomorrow. And they go oh no I don't I have so and so to take care of that so I can scratch that off my list right. That habit of I've always had to do this oh I can just take take that off my list now right. And you see them just start to decompress, and then they can get more they can get back to being strategic and thinking about growing their business and doing cool stuff in their business or acquiring stuff or going out and getting more orders because they they were afraid to get more orders because they didn't think they could fulfill them or developing new, you know, I have clients that are like now developing new technologies and ways to grow their business. And those are awesome conversations to have with the business owner when they're like, hey, I need to talk to you because since we last talked, we've done all this cool stuff. And I, I might need you to help me kind of execute on that. And I'm like, heck yeah, that's, of course, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the progression. That's where we wanna get them because that's what they deserve. Yeah, they work their asses off and they take a lot of chances and they, and they carry a lot of um, responsibility for other people. And those are the business owners I love working with, the ones that really understand like, we just need to, not. we're not just building a business, we're enriching lives, we're enriching uh, the lives of our leaders, our employees, our community, like everyone's gonna be better if we can be better that's a really cool place to be um, and and work when you're working with a business owner and you kind of are sharing that common goal. That's a cool place to be.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of other directions we could have gone. We're, <laughs> we're out of time. Um, I like but, to talk, man. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. It, I think it's great. I think anybody who's listening will, will have picked up some, some important information here. And, and I mean it, I think that there, there would be, Uh, probably a shorter episode that we could do in a series where we can do shorter, probably a five or six part series where we do shorter episodes where you break down each of those phases and you explain, yeah, this is somebody that's in that phase and this is what they're experiencing. And here's what they need to do to get out of that. And we could do that with each phase that you just went through. And I think it'd be, I think it'd be very impactful for business owners. Well, I will give you as as if
1: business owners that are listening, when they hire, here's a shift in mindset that will help. I often say to people, and I'm just going to make up numbers. We are not hiring you to run our ten million dollar operation. We are hiring you to run a thirty million dollar operation currently doing ten. And if you, if you go into your hiring with that mindset, you will look at people very differently. You'll ask very different questions. You'll screen a lot of people out that you thought, man, they're great, but you will might learn really quickly. Yeah, they're great for business today, but what do we do in six months if we hit our growth goals? They're, they might be tapped out. And yeah. it doesn't mean they're they're bad candidates, bad people, bad employees. It just means without having the right mentorship or plan in place to develop these people, um, it's going to be hard. And some people can adopt and grow, right? You know, everyone peters out, you know, the, the old that petered out, right? The Peter principle, like, everyone's going to Peter principle out at one point or another. Um, but I would rather stack the deck in my favor to have it be later than soon, you know? And by going in with that philosophy and structuring the way you talk to people about growth, how have you helped businesses grow? What have your experiences been? What were your mistakes? What would you do differently? Um, How If you're talking to someone in operations, that interview, you should be walking through your operation and pointing stuff out. So what would you do over there? Oh, it looks pretty good to me. Okay. So you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh no, that's the, you got a safety issue here. What I would do is put some lines on the floor and we need to make sure your, I just saw your forklift come around the corner. He didn't honk. The guy wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He wasn't wearing a hard helmet. Like we got to get some safety stuff in here. Like, you know, um, I I put an ops director into one of my clients one time and, um, I talked to him and I like three weeks later, I said, how's everything going? He said, I think he's focused on the wrong stuff. And I said, what do you mean? He said, all he's talking about is safety and like, reorganizing the warehouse. And I said, Nope, he's talking about exactly the right stuff because without putting safety in place and safety programs in place and making sure the right things are in the right warehouse, you have a lost time accident or worse loss of life accident. Your business might not be here tomorrow. So he's absolutely doing the right things. And, And for them, that was a big aha. It's like, Oh, we thought he would just kind of come in and like start working on op stuff. And we're like, I was like, kind of is op stuff and he he's got a bigger understanding of he's he's improving the health of your business by doing this stuff don't worry he'll he'll get to the stuff you think he should be doing but let him work through it you know and now he's he's there he's i mean he's been there for like five years and they love him so it's it's just kind of those educational conversations about what How things change as you progress and get bigger and what becomes important, where the focus should be. And um, when the focus is just like, man, just put the fire out and get it out the door Mm -hmm. to let's paint lines on the warehouse, let's barcode everything, let's lean out this facility, let's move our shipping and receiving, let's build out a safety program, let's have standing meetings like those are huge progressions in a business, right? And once you start seeing that stuff happen, you're like, oh, wow, this is real. Like, they're really moving along. You know, it's it's they're moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds to me like he, you know, he came in to do the things, putting in place the things that were needed to take it from that, to use your analogy earlier, from the 10 to the 30 million dollar organization. Right. So the, the business owner wanted him to put the roof on the house or to build the walls and he was strengthening the foundation to be able to handle the walls and the roof. You got it. it that's exactly what it was. And he was doing
1: the exact right stuff, you know, um, and, and it all worked out, but sometimes like we, we just don't know, what we don't know. And when you get these people that come in and we just got to kind of take a step back and because I've seen it, I, I, you still get surprised. Right. But when you, when you see really good, passionate people who are good at what they do, building partnerships with these business owners like the, the to improve their businesses it's just fun to watch and you, you get you're so happy for the business owners because you know most of these most of these business owners are just super proud hardworking people who had an idea like i always say like you didn't start your engineering company because you love to hire people you started your engineering company because you, you're a tech geek and you love to build cool stuff right And hiring isn't why you do it. And and talent isn't strategy and org charts. That's not why you started this business. And the fact that you're struggling with it is okay because it's not what you do, right? Just like, I'm not gonna walk through there and tell you how to better engineer your, your products. That's not what I do, but what I do is talent. And so leverage me and utilize me and get as much out of me as you can because I can help you just as much as that new ops manager, director of sales or controller or whatever we're doing, you know, we, we can all help in our own way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're out of time, Corey. So last thing I'll, I'll ask of you is just tell people where they can find you. What's the best way, website, phone number, email address, LinkedIn, whatever. Sure. Yeah.
1: You can uh, LinkedIn's a great way. Uh, uh, Corey Harlock, C O R E Y H A R L O C K. Uh, you can hit the key hire solutions website, um, contact information, or if you're a business owner and you just want to pick my brain, we have a free consultation. We always say no weirdness, no sales, like we're a help first organization. So you just want to schedule 30 minutes and bounce idea. Like I'm having this problem. What do you think? I'll talk to you. Right. I, uh, we're help first. I I will sit down and and take time with anyone who wants to improve their business anytime, any day. And then if you like what you're hearing, you you think, hey, man, I think we could use your help, then we can talk about that too. But that's not the purpose of the call. It's not one of these bait and switch or yeah, bait and switch kind of deals. Uh, So yeah, the the website um, and LinkedIn are probably the best ways to, to check us out for sure.
0: Great. Well, thanks, Corey. really appreciate the conversation and, and look forward to continuing it.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. I hope I didn't talk too much here and bore you guys to death. You did great. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> thanks, Austin.
0: Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us next week for an introduction to another great tycoon and be sure to
0: follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.